1: The Seriously Romantic Side of Redemption. That's what we're looking at here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us and be encouraged. The Ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Welcome. This is Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard continues our series, The Romance of Redemption, and we come to a message with the same title, The Romance of Redemption. And there is a romantic side of this redemption. As brutal, horrid, and vile as the cross is, there is a romance that undergirds it all. There is a deep, deep love of God that He has for you and I. Join us as we find real encouragement in The Romance of Redemption. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
2: We all wear a certain set of lens when we read the Bible. Um, And the lens you should always wear is the lens that always looks for Christ. When you read Luke 24, on the Emmaus Road, he began with the law with Moses and the prophets, To show everything that spoke of the Redeemer that was in their midst. As you read the Old Testament story, it's not just a story. It's a storyline how God is going to bring a Redeemer to the human family. And everything in the Old Testament happens to be signposts. This is what it will look like. This is how he'll act. This is what will be accomplished. And so you keep looking for Christ. And so we're going to do three things here. We're going to look at the story, which is magnificent. And I call this chapter The Romance of Redemption because it's a love story uh, that is so beyond all of Hollywood and all of its get-in-bed-the-first-night stuff. This is a marvelous story. Here's a widow, a Gentile, poor, stripped, facing starvation... Facing perpetual poverty, and who knows what is going to happen to her besides her mother in law she 's really become the breadwinner for the family, but she 's got the social racial stigma she is a Moabite, she is a hated enemy of Israel, but she just happened to glean in the field of a man that was noble of character and finds out, and Naomi tells her, he happens to be a kinsman. Now, let's qualify that. When you read that word kinsman in the book of Ruth, 23 times it's used. Goel is the Hebrew word. 23 times. And this was the significance. According to Leviticus 25, if a family member lost their property due to poverty. And you find in chapter 4 that Naomi had already sold off their property. They had no property. They were just squatters wherever they were staying because of their poverty. That according to Leviticus 25, a kinsman could go and redeem that property. They could buy it back, and they were told to do it so that it stayed in the family line. They didn't want that property going You know, when God allotted all the land, he didn't want Simeon to get more of the land than, let's say, Manasseh. He said, no matter, keep the land in the family it was originally given to. So a redeemer could buy back the land. Second of all, if you fell into hard times and had poverty, the kinsman that was to be a redeemer was to be your cover, was to supply your needs. According to Leviticus 25, if somebody killed a family member, a kinsman redeemer, it was his responsibility to go and see that that man was killed. He was not considered a killer or a murderer. He was considered a kinsman redeemer that could see justice was meted out fairly, Leviticus 25. And then there's another twist in all of it. Deuteronomy 25 said if a Jewish woman's husband died and she was a widow and there were no children born to her, the next of kin who was not married, whether that was a brother-in-law, an uncle, a cousin, it went right down the line, he was to marry that woman and raise up children and the child that would be born would be in memory of the deceased husband because God did not want family names to die out of Israel. He wanted to keep that family posterity going. But the Redeemer didn't have to do it. And if he was not willing to do it in front of all the elders... The widow was able to take the sandal off his foot and spit in his face because he did not perpetuate the family name. So you never knew if the man around you that was a kinsman would be willing to be a husband. And this is the background when we come to Ruth. I, I, I've been told by Naomi, I have hope that this kind man will redeem. And look at the narrative. Naomi instructs this Moabite girl, this convert to Judaism. Go and look up this guy named Boaz. He's our relative. He's a man that could redeem us. He could buy back our property. He might even marry you. Ah, that would really be a bonus. He'll be at the threshold tonight, taking care of the grain I want you to go there. I want you to put on your Chanel Bethlehem best perfume. <laughs> Remember, she's a poor widow, so she had no fancy garments. She When she dressed up, she, she didn't have much. She just had a cloak. She's a poor girl. She's in hard times. She could smell good, but she couldn't look good. I believe she must have been a beautiful woman. She's still young. And so... She goes down to the threshing floor, and uh, she meets this man, startles him. He had eaten. He worked all day, and he was in a good state of mind. I don't think he was drunk, but he had worked hard. The harvest is coming in. He's in a happy condition. And so he goes to sleep, and in those days, they would sleep right at the threshing floor, to be sure, nobody stole the goods, and many times he'd have his servants around. They'd all be laying around there as a whole to protect the harvest. Didn't want to be raided. And if you read the book of Judges, uh, different people were raiding them all the time. So he's sleeping, and his heart's merry, and she comes softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. Now, some scholars make this a euphemism for sex. And it's the furthest thing away from what's going on. The, the Hebrew Bible knows how to describe sex. We've got narratives where it's plain, But the storyteller is discreet because it calls both Boaz and Ruth noble people. And it's the verse in Proverbs 31, 10, a virtuous woman. This is a virtuous woman. And this is a virtuous man. And she's at his feet. She's not in his bed. There's nothing here. But at the same time, why would she say, uh, put your garment, watch. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over. And behold, a woman lay at his feet He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. ESV, I'm reading. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Now, what does your Bible say? Ah, because in previous sermons, I told you the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word for this is translated hem of a garment or wings. Now, look at what his prayer for her in chapter 2 look what he prays in verse 12 the lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the lord the god of israel under whose wings under whose garment you have come to take refuge and the garment many times the arabs and the jews when they were going to take a woman to be their wife They would put their garment around her. She's spoken for. She comes under my covering like a mother hen who will protect. And that garment was a symbol that you've come under not only divine protection, but you've come under the protection of a man that wants to be your husband. And that's what she was hoping for. Not just that you'll buy the land back, but I need a husband for to be a widow in the days of the judges. And to be a widow in Bible times was usually poverty and bad times. Many times turned to prostitution. Many times you nearly starved to death. I need a redeemer who will throw his cover over me. I need somebody to have mercy on the plight of me and my mother-in-law. And besides that, oh Boaz, if you only knew. I'd love to be your wife. And according to biblical custom, a widow was to initiate asking the man to marry her. That was the custom. She's not out of line. She's coming and she's appealing to him as a relative, a relative that has kinsman redeemer rights. I'm asking you as my kinsman, as one according to Leviticus 25 and Deuteronomy 25, you are able to throw your covering protection over me and get me and Naomi out of this plight. Spread your wings over me. You know what is amazing to me in the narrative? Watch how you pray for somebody. In chapter 2, he said, I pray you'll come under the protective care of God. I pray you'll come under his wings. And guess what? She in chapter 3 says, "I'm here to see God use you to protect me." You ask for God to do it. I'm going to take you. God wants to use you to answer your prayer. Have you ever prayed a prayer that you're really the answer to it? Lord, help my brother. Help my brother. And James says, and John says, if you say you love your brother and you see him and he's needing, you say, be full, be clothed. We'll bless you three times. And you get down here about half block, and your conscience says, why, well, you know what? You've got all the means to meet their need right now. Why don't you buy them lunch? Why don't you get them a garment? Well, well, well I, I just pray for needs. I never want God to use me to meet them. Be blessed. Well, I'd like to be blessed. What would you do to bless me? Besides say, be blessed. I hear Him on your prayer sheet. Am I on your obedience sheet? That's why I don't like to pray for many folks. If I'm serious about prayer, God talks to me to what to do. Write them a note. Ask what they need. You're in need? Go see Tim. My ministry is to discern need. May God bless you. May God you. come under the wings of Jehovah. And here in the middle of the night, a little widow woman says, I'm here. And I think Jehovah might want to use you, Boaz, as the answer to your prayer. Would you put me under your wings? I need a redeemer. I need a kinsman that would cover me and protect me. Well, um, he is just stunned. Of course, he's awakened in the night with basically a proposal. I mean, I I went to bed. I'm having good dreams, and now I'm having a nightmare. A woman wants to marry me. You know, you just said, it's like, folks, that get married. At first you see stars, and then you get married and find out it was sand. It really wasn't stars. So you got to be sure. You have your eyes checked before you get married. And he said in verse 10, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. See, he understands the symbolism. He understands what she's asking. Put your garment over me. Uh, uh, marry me. Buy back the property. Naomi and I are in great straits. And, and he says, boy, I'm complimented that you would even consider me. Because he might have been in Naomi's generation. He, he seems to obviously be quite a bit older than this young woman. And he's complimented. He said, you've not only been good to Naomi. But now you're choosing to be good to me, a senior to you. And I never thought a young woman as pretty as you would ever want me. And, he, and he's, he's complimented. And now my daughter says probably the age. I, you know what I find myself doing? Uh, it's maybe a, my father and some southern roots. I find myself calling young men son all the time. Son, do this. And my dad did that all the time. Southern people do that. Son, Now, I don't do that with daughters too much, because I've got them. But, son, do this. And it's really, it's dearly beloved. It's a a term of endearment. And, And he's saying, daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy. Proverbs 31, 10, woman And now it is true that I am a redeemer. You see there? It's not I'm just a man that can get married. I'm a redeemer man. I'm a family member that's able to redeem. That's what... Hear me. Hear me, women. Hear me, men. It is all important at whose feet you go lie down before. You can lay your life at the feet of a lot of men That aren't ever going to redeem you, they're going to ruin you. You got to look for a redeemer, not just a man. I mean, I just wish we were able to tie up hormones in young people until they got enough sense to know how to get married. The choices we make when we're young, the basis of which we judge, the basis on which we're attracting. But here's a woman, I'm not just, Boaz, I'm not just looking because you're old enough and breathing and you've got money. He he was a well off man. But he says, right, I know you're a redeemer. You are able to fulfill Leviticus 25 and Deuteronomy 25 to me, this Jewish proselyte, Gentile. I'm asking that you exercise it. Now, here's the problem. Listen to me. Here's the problem. To be a kinsman redeemer required three things. You had to be related to the family. That's the kinsman. You had to have the means to deliver them from their plight. Whatever that was. Economic. uh, Even many Jews sold themselves into slavery to fellow Jews to pay off a debt. Now every seven years they could be released. In the year of Jubilee they could be released. But... If you'd sold yourself into a Jewish family, your relative could come along who's got money and pay off the debt and set you free from that slavery. But as we'll see in chapter 4, there is a kinsman nearer in family relationship to Ruth than Boaz. And it comes to the third element of a kinsman. I might be able... But it doesn't mean I'm willing. And if I don't want to, I don't have to buy you back. If I don't want to, I'm not going to buy you out of slavery. I don't care what the law says, because nobody was obeying the law in the book of Judges as a whole. They were in apostasy. And this is when this story is happening. Terrible times. Do you suppose? It's amazing that Boaz is the kind of man he is in the day he lived. But here was the issue. I've got kin folks that's got the money to get me out of trouble. But my problem is, can I find anyone willing to get involved with me, a widow woman that has nothing but poverty to offer? And Boaz says, you found a willing redeemer in me. I will go as quick as I can. Listen verse 12. I'll pick up 11. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. Here is the key of the story. What makes a redeemer willing to purchase? What makes a redeemer willing to marry a widow who brings nothing but stigma? It's called love. Love found a way. And what made God ever want you for his own? God wants to form a bride for his son Jesus called the church. It's made of Jew and Gentile. I ask you, why would he be willing to take a former enemy and a former uh, poverty stricken, rebellious, enmity driven soul and get them in the family? I must say this to you this is striking. Hear me well. There is no redemption for anybody that's not in the family. There's no redemption. If you're outside of Christ, he's not your redeemer. His cross work avails not for you. You must be born again. You must say, I need to come into this family where the redeemer takes care of his own. When I receive Christ. I come under the birthrights of a family member. I, To them who receive him, he gives them the right to be called the sons of God. Some of you have never received Christ, and you're not redeemed. You don't have a redeemer. You can't have a redeemer until you come and put yourself at the feet of Christ and say, I'm broke, I'm destitute, I don't have a future without a redeemer. I don't have a future without a redeemer. And you must come and say, I must be born again. I receive Christ at his feet. And he's not on a threshing floor. He spent six hours on a cross, three days in a tomb, and 2,000 years on a throne. You must put yourself at his feet. It's your only hope. You've got to get in the family, and then you've got a redeemer. Outside of Christ, there is no redemption. I don't care how much religion you've got. I don't care how much you genuflect. I don't care how many masses you go to. I don't care how many offerings you give or how many times you've been baptized. It's when you come in your poverty and your rags and you lay yourself at the feet of Jesus and say, I have no future redeemer unless you take me in.
1: And this is Truth For Today, the radio ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, and our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you for spending time with us today. As always, it is a pleasure and a delight studying God's Word with you that we might mutually grow in our love and admiration for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ you have questions about today's program, maybe you have a question about your own walk or relationship with the Lord, we would love to talk with you. No strings attached. Give us a call, and we'd be more than happy to answer any questions we can or pray with you. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. If you would rather write to us, here's our address, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, the zip code 94547. And again, even if it's a simple thank you for the broadcast, we'd love to hear from you. It's always a delight knowing that these programs are being used by the Lord for your growth in Christ. So again, you can reach us by phone, by mail, or better yet, stop by our website and drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. You can find us at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. As you stop by, don't forget to drop us an email and take advantage of the many resource materials we have available for your growth in Christ. Again, it's all there at truthfortodayradio.org. And then if you would like to join us here at Valley Bible Church for worship, Sunday services are at 9 and 11, and directions can be found at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855 As you contact us, would you also prayerfully consider partnering with us financially? We're able to continue the radio ministry through your generous financial support. And whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly donation, no size is too small or too great. We'd love to hear from you and know that you are partnering with us for the furtherance of the gospel. So contact us today at 855-833-9864 or stop by truthfortodayradio.org and then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.